This is Unstructured. Hey, everybody. Today, I'm super excited to have a major, and I mean major, voiceover artist, um, Brent Allen Hagel. And I cannot express how much this guy does. He does film trailers, major networks, um, NHL, CBS, NBC News, HBO, NCAA. I'm almost belittling by rattling them all off, but the truth is I need to keep the interview within a certain amount of time, and I probably run out of time just going through all of his credits. How are you doing today, Brent? Fantastic, and thank you so much for having me on. It's awesome to have you. Um, you I, I know you'll be able to share so much, especially the type of voiceover you're doing. Um, I'm used to talking to narrators and audiobooks, but a lot, not a lot of people get to speak to promo voiceover people. Yeah. And, um, I am getting a lot of interest from people who want to dive into this. Um, this is kind of, there's a pathway when you do voiceover, you start with wanting to do it. Then you go into classes. <laughs> um, you come from radio or someone tells you about voiceover and then you get into commercial because agencies bread and butter is mostly commercial and narration. Okay. And then kind of the more dramatic version of that is promo. And then once mm. you've kind of got your feet in with promo, then you shift to trailer. Um, and these are all very distinct, different categories. Uh, people always say, Hey Brent, uh, how'd you get into voiceover? Can you help me get into voiceover? And I say, what do you mean? Do you want to be a video game actor? Do you want to do audiobooks? Do you want to do commercials? Do you want to do e-learning for, you know, uh, Microsoft or there's just so many different genres. I have chosen promo and trailer because I get to like talk over explosions and like crazy stuff happening on camera. And I like it because it's so fast. You're 15, you're 30, you're 60 second spot. And there's just so much action happening and I get to be a part of it. And to me, I just like, Oh, that is just mm, the best. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no audio book in your uh, near future. Not in my near future. Um, I would rather spend that time because an audio book, I mean that I, to their credit, that is so much invested time. Not only are they narrating, they're doing characters, then they have to edit, then they have to submit, then they have to re-edit. And they make, you know, a substantial amount of money up front or at the end because it takes a lot of their time. Um, but I would rather use that time teaching other people my specific genre than I would doing that. And I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to give them kudos because I don't have that in me, uh, that patience. I would oh, rather sure. track, you know, 200 words than 2000 words. I don't know if you're anything like me. I have difficulty reading aloud. If it comes to a full page, I start to feel overwhelmed. Yeah. And it's just, you look at your monitor or what have you print it? And you're just like, wow, that is, that's a lot to be done. It, it looks daunting. Um, and so my copy is kind of like, I see the actors, the sound on tape, the explosions and the actors lines. And then my voiceover lines where I punch in because I'm tracking in real time. Um, they'll play, they'll dial me up through my um, ISDN or my source connect system. And I will track in real time. They'll, they'll play it down for me. I'll hear the audio beds. Um, I'll see the producer's notes. Um, and then they'll direct me. Uh, kind of um, what they were looking for. And there's usually a scratch track. The producer who edited the, the uh, original spot mm -hmm. um, has put their voice on it. Kind of what, oh. what they were looking for. And oh, so okay. then I come in and I do it in my style. 
So you're hiring a voiceover promo actor for the way they would read those words. Okay. I was going to ask you that there was like a, a rhythm to it. Yes. And you can tell that by the, you know, once, once you get the show. So how it works is your agent will call you and they'll say, Hey, um, so-and-so is auditioning for this new show and they'll send you, um, the script and they'll say, you have an audition at, you know, two forty-five. they're going to, they're going to patch in. And so they patch you in on your line and you hear a couple of producers in the room. Uh, they, Hey Brent, uh, you know, we're going to be, um, doing the show and it's kind of like a, uh, comedy horror sort of show. Um, and the creative direction is upbeat, fun thriller. And your job as a voiceover actor is to listen to what they've done. You hear the sound effects, you hear the actors, and then you read it the way you think would best sell it. I'm a marketing guy would best, you know, sell that show to an audience. So you have to be an actor and you have to be a marketing person to understand the, the, the viewers who are going to be tuning in and watching the show. Now, how wide of a range do you modulate your voice? Do you keep it within the same parameters and just uh, change your rhythm and, and be a little more upbeat, a little further down, or do you flat out extend your voice and, and stretch things out? Like, Oh my God. You know, no, I can go all the way down here or I can stay up here. No, it, it depends on the genre and what it is. And since I'm so plugged in, to what I do. I know my competition really well, maybe to a fault. Maybe it does, you know, impact my judgment, but I know all the top guys. I know what they sound like. So I will, if I need to change my voice a touch to compete. But having said that you will be hired for your individuality. They already have those guys. If they want so-and-so they'll just go right to them and hire them. They are, auditioning you to see how different you are. So I will stay within my speaking voice, but if I will adjust my delivery, which could adjust my tone to whatever it may be. So the voice I'm speaking to you with now is my speaking voice. This is how I sound when I talk to my, talk to my wife or my kid or, you know, go out to the grocery store. Cause if I sounded like this everywhere I went, people would say you're weird, you know, <laughs> you, know, you, know like, you know, but I have that skill within me. And if I need to bring it out and, you know, and kind of, I kind of, uh, can widen my, um, throatal and, you know, diaphragm chest sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's an acquired skill that I learned practicing for, you know, 10, 12 years, just, uh, uh, uh singing, um, you know, and just getting, getting that tone down. Or if I want to move it up into my nose, I can sound a lot younger. So sometimes a script for, you know, a, a Nickelodeon script where you need to sound in your 20s, then you're going to sound much different. You're going to be a little more nasally and a mm. little more higher pitched. Now, is that something you uh, picked up through coaching or, you know, going to coaches and, and training and things like that? Yes and no. Um, coaches are mostly focused on copy. They're mm. mostly focused on teaching you how to read the script. They don't so much teach you voice pressure, how to move your, um, the air up into your, you know, into your nose or down into your chest. Um, that would be more of like a singing coach. Um, but when I teach, um, I do tell them that. And it's also a proximity effect. We all use this 416 shotgun mic. Mm-hmm. So 
if I get closer, I sound bassier. If I get further away, I sound more, more, uh, have more tremble in my voice. So you need to learn where to stand, how much air to push. And for my first, maybe three years, my agent kept saying, it sounds too pushed. It sounds too pushed, which mean which mm. means you just need to back off and just push less air. When you speak, speak as if someone is six inches away from you. Like, oh, okay. Hey, can you go grab me a popcorn? You know, you're in the middle of the movie. You don't want to disturb anybody. So voiceover, most voiceover happens right here in this range where we're just, we're just talking. I'm not pushing. I'm not talking loud. I'm just right here. The all new Cadillac, you know, that sort of thing right here. So it's all about intimacy. Exactly. I want to create a special connection with the listener through their television. But that is kind of a modern 2018 version of voice. voiceover is continuing to change. But right now what's hot in commercial, which um, I'm not, you know, the total, I have a few commercials running, but I'm not mm-hmm. the total, you know, uh, coach on commercial. So I don't teach it, but I have to understand it because it's the most lucrative for agents, like I said. And mm-hmm. it's this thing where you're just you and, you know, maybe you can even add in this thing called vocal fry where you're just like, <laughs> you know, oh God, we've gone from puking to vocal fry. And it's just like, um, oh, yeah. And you can get it only at Google, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> in the oh, puking is the nickel only on Nickelodeon where you can think you actually like, yeah. can imagine the spit flying from the, the actor's mouth. Yeah. That's what I grew up with is uh, come down Sunday. Yeah. Sunday, uh, whatever Sunday. Sunday. And, uh, and that's in another point I'm going to hit right now. It's so much easier to take an actor and bring them into voiceover than it is to take a radio DJ and bring them into voiceover. An actor is there for the performance, and they, they're they just trying to understand the character. And a DJ is all about the sound of their voice, you know? <laughs> uh, so, and my agent told me this. He's like, Brent, you hit, you hit a major campaign with CBS. You don't have that on your demo. Why? And I'm like, well, I kind of want it to be like the, you know, the deeper movie trailer voice guy. And he's like, Brent, People are paying you for this sound. It's a sound you have. It's, it's proven, you know, you need to stop getting in love with your own voice and be, (laughs) be a paid voice actor. It's not what you want. It's the, what the producers are paying you to deliver. And I'm like, Oh God, you're right. (laughs) So I'm still growing and learning, you know? Well, you were blessed to actually like your own voice. That's cool. I didn't at all. I didn't always, um, so in high school, I, I became the sound guy and live announcer and people kept coming up to me and telling me I had a good voice. So I didn't originally know that until people told me it. And that's how a lot of people contact me. People say, I have a good voice. I should get into voiceover. And I say, that's like step one. Like, have you ever taken an acting class? Like, do you know how to use a mic? Are you an audio engineer? Do you know how to work in a business world with agents and producers? And so having a good voice is like step one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you really do need to pay for coaching. And a majority of coaching is people telling you to trust yourself and people telling you to be you. Because 
everyone wants to perform. You know, I'm a voice actor. I have to perform. And, you know, they want to put on this, <laughs> put on this thing that's not really who they are. They're going to pay you for your individuality. And the way I sound right now, this is just how I sound. They're going to pay me right. just some dude who happens to have the training to know the skills to be able to be who I am and still hit a 27.72 spot for, you know, AT&T. It needs to be down to the millisecond when they when they want something done because they have a certain amount of frames they got to work with and you got to be able to just punch in. They don't want it in fifty takes. Uh, most of my stuff I'll do in two takes, like literally nice. a session will last four minutes. CBS will call me up. I'll do the session. Um, if it's a you know maybe three spots, we'll be we'll be the session will be at two thirty. I'll be out by two thirty six. Oh, nice. Now is that part of what has taken you fourteen years is to dial it down to get the timing and those factors or is it other business skills and things like that timing is huge yes timing delivery and just the confidence knowing that they've hired you and you have the skills and just kind of trusting yourself and so when i'm coaching and i'll get people in the booth a, a lot of my direction will be i need you to own it i need you to just read this script as if it's your own thoughts This is not words on a page. Don't read it to me. These are your thoughts, and I need you to believe it. you got to own it. And then when I give them that direction, the next read is the whole whole, uh, class looks up. I go, whoa, (laughs) that was the read. So just giving people permission to say you're in charge. Speaking of the booth, that was where I first discovered you was on LinkedIn. You were doing a a voiceover or a read for, um, I believe it was Instinct. Mm -hmm. television show Sunday read but what struck me and it seems obvious now but it didn't at the time was you were moving your arms as if you were conducting an orchestra you were using movement to emote and that was remarkable to me yeah it's kind of a tick so I was at a voiceover gathering and I had asked one of the movie trailer guys, Hey, can you give me like, give me like, show me what you do. He's like, I don't want to, it's embarrassing. And I didn't really know what that meant at the time. Um, until I started getting more and more educated and becoming better. And now I see what he meant because when you emote and when you read your body and your arms just start twi- like twitching and moving. And so I get it now, but yes, um, in order to create the sound of what you're hearing, my body just starts moving in strange ways to get certain inflections and certain sounds. And a lot of it isn't so much like planned, but I have to move my hands and like, you can hear me do it now, move my hands in ways that will get sounds at certain timing. So you can, you can kind of almost hear my hand like moving right there. Um, and, so it'll be, I tell people, clench your fists or bite your teeth. Or, or, or um, if you need to just kind of like maybe lightly sock yourself in the stomach to get a little, little tension going, whatever you need to mm. do to get into that character, you need to do it. Um, a lot of people are afraid of getting quiet and getting soft <laughs> and getting intimate. So most people tend to go bigger um, instead of instead of down. Okay. That's really cool. Now also I was thinking about it when I saw you doing it, I was like, well, wait a minute. It 
sort of, I guess, is obvious that you would move to express yourself completely. But I guess in my mind, I sort of had a program that um, I, I we talked before the show and you mentioned a network news anchor. And I was like, exactly. The people were used to um, reading copy. They never move. Yeah, Maybe their head tilts, but they always are perfectly in place and framed. And I guess I just had in my mind that you were in a quiet booth. It was silent, so you shouldn't move around a lot. You might make noise. You might scuffle. You might have um, other noises coming out. And in to the maybe in, even into the 80s and early 90s, that may have been the case. But now they want more of actors than they do voices. It's a, it's just a shift in creative direction. So you're used to hearing your news anchor and they all kind of sound the same. Even the women like, or, um, um, like live in the, in the field, everyone has kind of this thing where they're projecting and doing this thing. And, uh, and even the male news anchors, they're, they're there and they're doing their deep baritone voices and they're doing their things. But when it comes to like video games, um, commercials and things like that. They want it to be more relatable. And even coming into promos and trailers, the, the promo is shifting away from Sunday night football to Sunday night football. They're, they're, it's shifting to be a more, instead of voice of God, that's just this ominous voice. They want it to be a person you can actually picture, somebody you would know. Hmm. Just like to, your buddy? Ex- like your buddy. Because they want it, they don't want to push things on you. They want to inform you that this product or thing exists from authority, authoritative to friendliness has kind of been the, and like I said, it's driven by marketing. I'm wondering if it's driven by necessity too, because back in the day there were three channels and we we're going to tell you <laughs> what channel to mm-hmm. watch. Very and true. now we have to lure you. Yes. Hey, check this out. Ooh, this is cool. So it may just be a necessity of the market. Like, how do we get the time? Another question, too, is um, are you standing in the booth exclusively? You know, I do. Um, It's a personal preference. And a lot of the coaches that I've worked with have told me to do so. I like it because I can emote more. Sometimes I even, like, run in place when I read, like, lightly. I have carpet in there, so you can't hear it. But like I said, my whole my whole body when I'm into the zone in the zone or whatever you want to call it, just starts doing its thing, and it creates a sound. Um, and that, obviously, that sound is working for me, so I'm not going to stop it. But it, my, I, I'm if you're not sweating and like you like actually feeling your voiceover work, then you really need to step up your game because a lot of the people that are doing well are just wildly moving their bodies and, and sweating and, uh, you know, gripping their biceps or getting whatever they can out of their body to express, express it into their voice. So the answer is, Oh yeah, I always stand. Awesome. Are you still getting nervous before every session? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. The, heart, the heartbeats. And, but I like that. That's, that's, you know, what I live for. I live for that phone call from the agent. I live for patching in to those producers and I live for, okay, Brent, show us what you got. And I'm like, well, here we go. <laughs> so it's a tightrope. You're, you're, you're really on edge the entire time until finally it's done. And then you have a slight release. Oh man, it's okay. So maybe you do 500 auditions and maybe you get 
four or five if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. So you've been working your butt off all month to be where you, where you are in this session. So you have earned the the you know the, the meeting with this producer and it may not even go to finish it could just be something that they present to the execs and they're like yeah let's go find another voice you know so wow. when you're on it and you're in you're in session you got to be 500% not even 100% not even 200% you got to give it everything you've got um and i i contact a lot of senior voiceover people and and they give me advice as well and that's what they say they say everything you put into that microphone needs to be 200% if it's not don't even submit it you need to be on your game all the time and with promo and trailer they'll call you and they'll say in 15 minutes you have a session and here's the, and here's the script there's no pre-planning it's just you need to have the skills to be ready to go Wow. I think you've referred to it as the golden handcuffs. The golden handcuffs, yeah. So if you're at the grocery store and they need a read in 15 minutes, you can either say yes or no. Do you, do you want the job or not? Now, have you had to turn things down because of that kind of thing? or No, I just get home really fast. <laughs> <laughs> There's no store that far away. No. You live above the store. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. It's, too, it's literally a block over. Um, so I, you have to kind of gear your life to be able to perform on a dime. Are there any periods where you can say, okay, you know, I got a, a couple days off. I mean, they're not going to call you on Christmas, are they? No, weekends are always off. Chris holidays are off. Um, there's a little lull at the end of August, pretty much most of December is pretty, pretty dialed down okay. up until about, uh, mid January, it starts to pick up again because you have to realize these voiceover comes at the very end of projects. We are mm. the, it's the last minute thing. So they already, they've already filmed it. They've already edited it. They've already added in, you know, sound effects and, and audio beds and everything. Now we just need the narrator to come in and it's, we're the last step. Um, so yeah, I forgot what I was going with that, but. But That's yeah. kind of cool. Then it's sort of an honor. Then you are what makes it real. Yeah. Everything there, you just top it off. Like, okay, I'm the cherry. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we connect the audience to the piece of content via our human emotions. That's, that's a really neat role. Now I want to kind of go back in history with you because, um, you seem to be an average overnight sensation. It took you about 14 years. <laughs> yeah. Overnight, <laughs> overnight success. Well, yeah. I, I've read uh, over and over that the average overnight sensation is about 10 years. So you definitely fall within the uh, the parameter of that. But I also want to point that out because everybody wants to be a success overnight. And if they have to, they'll wait a month or two. <laughs> so when it comes to voiceover, nobody cares about you. Okay. Nobody needs another voiceover guy. They already have plenty. Nobody wants to listen to your demo tape. Nobody like, you have to pay to go to classes to be heard. Nobody, nobody uh, cares about you. Like I said, you have to be so good that people have no choice but to hire you. Like, where did this guy come from? Like, hello, I've been here for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> like I've been, I've been trying. So that comes with never giving up. It's like a pit bull that is just locked on to a bone. And no matter what you do, it is not going to let go. So whatever your passion may be, maybe it's woodworking or whatever, but for me, it happened to be voiceover. And so I knew since I was like, I don't know, maybe 12 or 13, maybe even earlier that I 
I wanted to do voiceover. The thing is figuring out how to do that. And if so, when you're that young, you don't have any money. You don't have money to take voice, the $600 voiceover classes or whatever it may be. So you have to wash dishes or you have to, you know, I was at In-N-Out Burger. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, number 17 is ready. Order number 17, you know. <laughs> Were you doing that? Yeah, I was. And and uh, <laughs> in high school, I would be like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to homecoming. You know, that's that sort of thing. <laughs> so I had I had this thing that I wanted to use. But in order to get paid to do it, I had to go through all of the the shoots and ladders to get to finally sitting down with an agent saying, look, I would like to be on network television um, and having the training to not be this guy because this guy is, you know, 1960. They won't they don't want him anymore. They want this voice. So and it took me, man, five, six, seven years to get out of putting putting air in it like this being this guy. It took a long time to get hmm. to get away from desiring to perform in front of people because anytime I wanted to impress people, I wanted people to be like, wow, you know, he's good at what he does. And in order to do that, I thought I needed to, you know, emote and, and, and have this voice like, you know, that you would see in, in the content that I had consumed. Makes total sense. Now, you went into food service, so you essentially had a day job while you were doing all this. Yeah, so I was in. If you want to be an actor, you wait tables. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> kind of kind of how it works in LA. Um, I was I worked for In and Out Burger was my first job, and then I went into catering. Um, and I was catering and doing wedding DJing, so I still got to use the voice, ladies and gentlemen, Mister and Mrs. So and So are now coming down the aisle. That sort of thing. <laughs> so I'd be uh, I've been to like you know five hundred weddings, um, which were all beautiful, by the way. Um, of course <laughs> and then uh, i worked at the four seasons hotel um and then when you do that you just kind of upgrade the social status because i speak so clearly and so well due to my study of voiceover mm-hmm. that i worked in fine dining because that's kind of what the clientele expected um got it so that led to enough money to take workshops um then i eventually got tired of waiting tables and became a cook and then a chef myself and I had spent the previous five years getting into voiceover, running senior living homes, uh, running the kitchens for senior living homes. So I would wheel old ladies around and, um, you know, puree food and whatever I needed to do to entertain people in their last days. Well, now with promo, you have to be so available. How did you do that with that kind of a job? I've been a cook in the past. This is the worst job ever. And it's you're a slave. Hard. It is very, it's a very difficult job. Brutal. Um, the answer to that question, I would track in my car. I had bought the gear to do so, but if they wanted to do an official session, it was not just an audition. I would drive home in 15 minutes from the San Fernando Valley up to where I live and to track like the movie sing. They wanted me to track trailer for, for the movie sing. And I was literally serving dinner. Uh, so I just told my my uh, uh, sous chef, hey, I got to go. And he's like, I got you, bro. And then I just oh, got in my car and I just jammed it. And I came home and just and tracked the session. And then I jammed back jammed back to the to clean up. It was, if you want it that bad, you're going to be able to do what you need to do. 
How how do you what do you mean by tracking? Would you mind explaining that? So so they're going to so um, they're going to dial you up to your home studio, um, and then you're going to they're going to play you the audio bed of what they've done, and they're going to email you the words you want read, uh, the the words they want read, and so you need to be able to record in real time to that. Okay. Now, when you say equipment, um, what, what, why, um, you can't just use it over internet. Like I'm on Fios. I I can't just go talk to people. I have to have today in 2018. Yes. It, um, up to like almost this year or the year before it was an actual ISDN box. It was like 3000 bucks for the box and then like 400 bucks a month to maintain it. But now us actors got tired of spending so much cash on this that uh, there's now just a digital internet codec version of that. So I can log on to Chrome just like we're using now, and Mm -hmm. a studio can patch into me via Chrome into my home studio equipment. Uh, Okay, so it's kind of like a VPN. Were they using the ISDN so that way people weren't snooping on what you were doing? Yes, yes. And, And... it delivers high enough quality that can be broadcast. Uh, Cause you know, a telephone line is only, there's so much uh, bandwidth. bandwidth. Yeah, sure. It's a 56 K um, ISDN, I believe is, um, Oh God. I track it 256. Well, okay. That makes sense. Okay. So now when you are going over the internet, I like to geek out a little bit. Do you mm-hmm. um, like have a clean Chrome session, like shut everything off on your desktop other than the email that you're reading and yeah. Chrome that's open. Yeah. I keep it pretty clean just, you know, for distraction. And, um, I don't, but there's still going to be with source connect. I still, there's still like spikes. You can hear it. And they'll, and then the producer or director will call it out. Hey, we got, we had a little hiccup. They'll call it we had a little hiccup that let, let's track it again. Um, okay. But so it's source connect. source connect. Source connect is usually what we use. Or you can use IPDTL um, if they are still. A lot of studios still have the physical ISDN box, so they still mm-hmm. want to connect on that platform because they don't want to change their current setup. It's been there for ten years. They don't want to invest in new gear. They don't have the budget mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But now you can connect from IPDTL right into their har- actual hardware, and they ah, they gotcha. don't know the difference. It's VoIP. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, I always wonder about some of these inside terms. Now, you um, had to spend a good chunk of money over time. I mean, the microphone in front of you, um, I guess you didn't get it at Radio Shack? <laughs> this mic, I will get into that. So this mic alone is about $1,000. I've probably spent maybe eight, nine, ten thousand dollars $10,000 on microphones for me to realize that this is really the one it's not, I wanted like a really pretty microphone, like with like a nice gold, you know, um, uh, vocal plate and, uh, tubes and everything. And I wanted to like, I'm nice manly or something crazy, but <laughs> it really, it really just comes down to the, everyone in LA and New York uses the Sennheiser 416 shotgun mic. You can't get around it. Stop trying to, I had to realize, stop trying to buy a pretty microphone because producers, they know what this mic sounds like. And they like it because it cuts in a mix. Mm. So if you wanted to record rap vocals or be in a country music, be a country music star, yeah, you can buy any mic you want. That's great. You can get a blue, whatever. But for specifically 
promos and trailers and commercials, you need to have a 416 shotgun mic. Um, and I just, I rejected that for so long because I wanted a pretty mic. Um, but yeah, you need to invest in gear. I'm probably about 40, 50, $60,000 invested in this. Um, and I continue to probably spend uh, $10,000, dollars $20,000 a year on marketing, on equipment, on connection fees, on websites, on everything. It is a business. You need to treat it as a business and you need to spend real money. And are you still um, getting coaching and things like that to oh, yeah. keep you up and current? So I coach and I teach and both of them provide information. I always tell people to have three mentors and three students. That way you're constantly in the middle of, of, of an information flow. That makes sense. I've often heard it said, and I've taught before, not voice, obviously, but um, computer courses and things. I learned a ton by teaching. Yeah, because they'll ask you a question. You'll be like, I don't know. I'll find out. Have you found that too? Or Yeah, of course. Um, or the more I start diving into it, like a question they've asked me, I start diving within myself for the answer to that, and I learn more that's already within me. And I always tell everybody, it's like all the answers that you guys are here for are already within you. We just come to this, these classes to find them, you know, within yourself already to be more who you are and be able to express that on the mic and not try to hold back so much. It's kind of like um, in, vo in uh, audio production, there's a thing called a limiter and it kind of makes the waveform kind of into a square. And I try to remove that limiter from voice talent because they're afraid to be silly in the booth or be, be a monster, be scary in the booth or whatever, whatever emotion. It's like an emotional limiter that I try to remove from people because that's when the best performances happen. What's very cool. Now, where, where can people find your coaching or is it something you only do locally? Um, I teach at a studio in here in Los Angeles, uh, real They just opened up, I think in January, but the beauty of it is uh, we're still um, developing. So I said, hey, we should put a camera in this in the room so that students from all over the country can tune in and be in a fly on the wall to, to all the coaching, commercial, animation, video game, promo, trailer. Uh, I am the promo and trailer coach of that, but they offer you know, all the different genres. I don't think they do audiobook. Um, but last session, which was on Saturday, we had 19 students. Um, and I teach very hands-on. I, I, if I see someone is starting to go in a direction, I'm going to drive them there as far as I possibly can. If it's like a horror read, I'm going to take them all the way to the edge where they're even afraid of themselves because I want to <laughs> see how far people can go. Because a lot of people are genuinely like nice, friendly people. And, they, and so to get them to do like an action read or something, that's a lot, a lot of aggression and testosterone. It's not a comfortable place for them. So when you go get coaching, the idea is to not be comfortable. And so that's, that's when you learn the most, but uh, yeah, realvoicela.com is where I teach and uh, we do live stream it. So it's great. Well, very cool. Now you have a, a really inspiring success story, how you, got essentially found your great success um with making kelly things like that i was wondering if we could close out on that story 
Sure. So I had been an aspiring voice talent. I was with an agency. I was reading my heart and soul out. I had spent $15,000 on gear, some couple, like $4,000 more on demos. And like, I was just like, I had saved so much money from the cooking job to launch this career. And I was, and I was reading for a year and still getting nothing. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's not me. Maybe I just need to find a new agent. And so I did. And then I went into the meeting and I said, look, this is who I am. This is how much I've invested. These are people I've, I literally contacted every promo and trailer coach in Los Angeles and worked with every single one of them that I could. I just spent, I spent all this money, this time, this energy, this dedicated focus, and I still wasn't achieving my goal. So I, I figured maybe a logistical business change. I did that. I went to the meeting. I said, look, this is who I am. This is what I do. I've worked with these people. I'm this dedicated. I know I have the talent. I just need the shot. Uh, and so they said, all right, you know, go in the booth and read. Cause when you go to an agency, they make you read to make sure your demos aren't, you know, studio, you're not a studio band, you know what I mean? Like you can really perform. And so I did. And then, uh, Monday morning, an audition for Megan Kelly came in and I tracked it. And then the next day I woke up to an email at seven in the morning saying, we need you to track in 15 minutes. You're in the new voice of Megan Kelly on NBC. It had to be just a staggering moment. So you didn't have any big thing prior to that. That was the thing, the breakthrough for network promo. Yes. I had done, um, I had done GoPro, I had done HBO, I had done um, like almost a hundred spots with the NCAA and I had, I had other campaigns, but as far as national broadcast prime time uh, voiceover, that was the first major campaign. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I was like, I checked my email. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Is this real? Like, like, okay, I'm ready. Like, I've been ready for like 15 years. Like, I'm ready. Let's do this. That, that, that has to be so cool. Especially, do they, do they bother emailing rejections? No. Okay. So the fact you've got to email at all is like, what? Wait, there's an email. Oh, yeah. You, like, I'll go through hundreds of auditions. Because, uh, you know, in 2018, they're on, they're on the pay to plays. They're on, from your agent. They're from friends you know. Like It's a business. You're running a business. Anywhere you can get a lead, you're going to throw them your voice file. And so anytime that phone rings, just like a major actor to get a, a role in anything, when, that, when all of a sudden you know your phone rings and you see it's like your agent's phone number, you're like, oh, either I'm in trouble, <laughs> I did something wrong, <laughs> or I booked something. Either way, you're just like, you're, and then because you assume, I always assume I'm in trouble because I always try to push the marketing to the edge. Um, mm. Then when they they say, Hey, you know, you have this session at this time. I'm like, thanks God. (laughs) (laughs) So it's always kind of a surprise. So it's good to hear that. So you're saying you get rejected the vast majority of the time. If you're not okay with being rejected, you will never make it in this business. I've been rejected thousands and thousands and thousands of times. It only takes maybe three, four major jobs to make a great living for a year. Oh, wow. Okay. Especially commercial with the residuals, right? Exactly. So say you audition 2000 things that year. Kudos to you for getting that many auditions in the first place. But if you booked four, uh, you're probably going to clear hundred grand. 
That's not bad. Except in LA, <laughs> it's a little tough. It, 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 I'm <laughs> saying, I'm saying like that could happen. That is ideal because, you know, the voice of Homer Simpson, he probably auditioned 5,000 times. And then one of them was for this yellow cartoon character and he booked it. And now he makes, you know, three, $400,000 a year just on that job. If not, I don't know, I'm being maybe per episode. I don't know. Gotcha. That makes, makes total sense. Now, where can people find you personally? I know there's brentallenhagel.com. Mm-hmm. Is that a good starting place or do you prefer any other um, social or anything? No, it's a good starting place. Uh, I, th- I think I have my uh, link uh, Instagram little icon on there for at trailer VO Brent. I don't really use Twitter that much just because I didn't find success with it. Um, so pretty much just the website and then Instagram. I post videos of me working and everything I do is because I was looking for that person for the last 10 years while I was trying to be who I am today. I wanted a mentor who would just say, look, bro, you need to do the <laughs> exact things in this exact order to be successful. Everyone was just like, if you pay me $900, you can come in for four workshops and we can try to figure things out. I'm like, no, I just need somebody to, <laughs> who is currently a voice actor working to tell me what it is I need to do. I don't want to give away a fortune, but in this business, there are plenty of people who will take your money. So whenever someone emails me, I always say, what specifically are you trying to do? So I can point you in the right direction and you don't have to waste all of these resources because they're working their day job. They're making 10, 15, you know, 17, whatever it is they're making per hour. And they have to feed a family and pay rent and do all these things. And they still want to be a voice actor. So I know every dollar is tight. So anytime someone comes to me i say tell me tell me your end goal and then let's work backwards on the first step to get there so i try to be the advocate for the up-and-comers so i i demo produce i help uh, connect people with agents i do everything in my power to help people because i did not receive that so i kind of feel like once you get to a certain level you really need to pay it forward Uh, that was a long-winded answer but that's how i feel about the kind of the cottage industry based on voiceover training that is developed here in Los Angeles. That's fantastic to hear though. And perfect to wrap up on because a lot of the listeners here are other podcasters and people who I think are interested in getting into the voiceover world, yeah. whichever place they might start. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I hope it wasn't too much rambling, but when I get on a topic, I just like to let it all go. No, it was perfect, man. Okay, cool. Mr. Hayes' office, how may I help you? Andrea, it's Marilyn over at Kennedy Parker Construction. Hello, Marilyn. Would you like me to connect Mr. Parker to Mr. A fish surrounded by sharks. A secretary cursed by desire and ambition. Introducing The Diarist by Donna Barrow Green. The Diarist, an addictive psychological thriller, satirical, suspenseful, and full of twists. Available on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. Yes. I'm sorry if I've hurt your feelings. Or if something I've said has led you to believe I think you're incompetent. It's just been so long since you've given me any encouragements or compliments on my... Andrea. I do notice you. I like that blouse on you. Very much. 
You look very pretty, just as you are right now. Oh, well, I... It's very pretty on you. Thank you. What sort of fabric is it? It's silk. It's lovely. You have excellent taste in clothes. I notice. Would you mind removing your cardigan? My sweater? Yes, so I can see the blouse in its entirety. Why? I like it very much. You see, I do notice you. You know that, don't you? I don't have to tell you I notice these things. You know when I like something, don't you? I don't know. I repeated his words in my mind. I notice you. That was it, wasn't it? I wanted someone to notice me. Not Andrea the daughter, the wife, the secretary. Not even Andrea the artist or ad girl. I wanted someone, anyone, to see me. More than anything, it was Richard. Please don't think unkind of me, dear reader. Now, tonight's adventure into the unknown. Shut up and sit down. Hey, it's Sarge. And Frenzy. From the Sarge Approved Podcast. Uh, If you're not familiar... The Sergeant Proof Podcast has a guest every episode featuring uh, people like actors, comedians, uh, survival experts, authors, martial arts experts, basically a whole gamut of badass people. Yes. And you can check out all our episodes on all the podcast platforms, iTunes, Spreaker, uh, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, and you can check us out on all our social media, Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, all the things. It's all at Sarge Approved. Yep. Check it out, and we hope you enjoy it. Bye.